Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. So the bump stock ban lawsuit has been revived. That's right, Michael, Michael Cargill versus the man. That's right, we're going against the Department of Justice. We're going against the ATF, and it is going to be heard in unbunk before the entire Fifth Circuit in New Orleans. This case is going to be heard in New Orleans, in court, not on Skype, live in the courthouse. Uh, it's going to happen... Oh, I'll give you that date a little later. <laughs> Save it for a little later. But we will have this in court in New Orleans, heard in bunk between all the justices. Basically what happened in December of 2021, this case was heard by a three-judge panel, which we drew all Democrat just justices. So those Democrat judges decided against our case. So now the entire Fifth Circuit has requested to hear the bump stock case before the entire court. And when that happens, that means they're looking to overturn the previous ruling. You know, if they agree with it, there would be no reason for them to, to hear the case. So once we, this case is heard between, uh, in front of the entire circuit, it's overturned, then we're guaranteed we should be headed toward the Supreme Court of the United States. Did you know that there are only 0.3% of cases uh, in which en banc is requested that are actually? That's, and that's why this yeah. is such a big deal. 
This is really big. And this says a lot because this happened after this case in New York, which we're going to have Edwin Walker on uh, from Texas U.S. Law, uh, Law Shield to talk to us about New York State and what that actually means from what the Supreme Court actually released last week. Uh, we're also going to talk about Edwin, talk with Edwin about some other things as well. Also, do guns have more rights than women's bodies? Man, I've been hearing that a lot in Austin. Good Lord, it's, it's, it's like, you know, when you're living the, that liberal mecca, no matter where you go, what restaurant, bar you go to, boy, they let you know how they felt this week. The last that is not how days. we do things in the city of Austin. <laughs> let me tell you. So, you know, you just you just have to roll with the punches. And and that's all I heard. Every time I walked in somewhere, Michael Cargill, do guns have more rights than women's bodies? Well, you know what? This hour, I'm going to give you that answer. <laughs> Boy, and that's why, you know, that's why I carry a gun. That's why. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> that's right. Because let me tell you, you're not going to like my answer. And you know what? Gonna get you for that. I'm going to give you my answer right now. The Second Amendment is a constitutional right, women's bodies are not. <laughs> also, Texas GOP and the Log Count Republicans of Texas. Man, let me tell you, a lot going on with that convention and a lot, a lot of resignations. We're going to talk about that uh, with the law, about Log Count Republicans of Texas, uh, also the YRs. We're also going to talk about the homosexuality plank that was introduced and passed by the Texas GOP. Also, U.S. Congress, the anti-gun bill. Going to talk about that with Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. And like I said before, New York State gun license and what the SCOTUS had to say about that. But you know what? You reap what you sow. A lot of people are just so upset. There are protests going on all around the country. They're angry because Roe versus Wade was overturned. And so you have protests in, in all the major cities around the country. And they're just like, you know, do something. You know, this 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 is not right. It shouldn't be. Um, well, you know what? You know whose fault this was? If you're a Democrat and you're upset about the way uh, this, this actually came about, the hearing, you need to blame Joe Biden for that. Oh, come on, man. That's right. It's Joe's fault. And I'm going to tell you why it's Joe's fault. Because President Joe Biden, back when he was a senator, was on the committee that actually got a chance to, you know, decide if Clarence Thomas was going to be a Supreme Court justice. This happened back in 1991. And so he heard this case, and then someone came forward. Something happened. That was Anita Hill, a black professor, now a professor. At the time, she was a, she was a law clerk, I believe, and she worked for Judge Clarence Thomas. And he made some advances on her or suggestions or statements or whatever. And so she brought this up before Congress, before the Senate, the Judicial Committee, to say, hey, you guys should not pick this man as a Supreme Court justice. This happened in 1991, where Joe Biden at the time, the senator, was the chair of this committee. So he had the opportunity to stop this in his tracks. The reason I bring this up is because Everyone's upset because Judge Clarence Thomas is the one that's that actually wrote the opinion of all these cases that we've heard the last few days. 
And so they're furious at him. I'm hearing, you know, celebrities step forward. Samuel Jackson's going back and forth, you know, saying things about, you know, Clarence Thomas and all this good kind of stuff. But you know what? They shouldn't be mad at Judge Clarence Thomas because he is doing exactly what he believes and he's doing what he's always said he was going to do. There are no surprises there. You should be mad at Joe Biden. And here's why. Listen to Anita Hill and what she had to say back in 1991. He pressed me to justify my reasons for saying no to him. These incidents took place in his office or mine. They were in the form of private conversations, which not, would not have been overheard by anyone else. My working relationship became even more strained when Judge Thomas began to use work situations to discuss sex. On these occasions, he would call me into his office for reports on education issues and projects, or he might suggest that because of the time pressures of his schedule, we go to lunch to a government cafeteria. After a brief discussion of work, he would turn the conversation to a discussion of sexual matters. His conversations were very vivid. He spoke about acts that he had seen in pornographic films involving such matters as women having sex with animals and films showing group sex or rape scenes. He talked about pornographic materials depicting individuals with large penises or large breasts involved in various sex acts. On several occasions, Thomas told me graphically of his own sexual prowess. Because I was extremely uncomfortable talking about sex with him at all, and particularly in such a graphic way, I told him that I did not want to talk about these subjects. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talkin'. This is Chloe on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend 
or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so I want to bring back into the conversation here, um, well, actually bring to the conversation, Edwin Walker, who's a principal attorney with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. You know, if I have any issues at all, something happens with me, what I do is I dial 911 first, then I call my attorney. I call Edwin Walker. Uh, to find out what I actually should do because I'm invested in what's going on. The incident's happening to me, and I want to make sure that I say and do the right thing um, and I don't get myself in trouble. So I call 911, then I call my attorney, and I let my attorney do the talking for me, Texas and U.S. Law Shield. And I suggest you do the same thing. I cannot stress to you how many phone calls we get throughout the week where people will do stuff, you know, and they give us a call. I am not an attorney. I cannot give you legal advice. So I always recommend people contact an attorney, call Texas U.S. Law Show, become a member before your incident happens. That way, Texas U.S. Law Show can represent you. Don't wait until it happens because then it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you a lot of money. But if you contact them and become a member of Texas U.S. Law Show before it happens, you're only looking at $10 a month. So be smart. Defend yourself. Protect your family. And then let Texas Law Shield defend and protect you. Evan Walker, I want you to, man, Edwin, tell us what in the world is in this U.S. Congress anti-gun bill and when does it go into effect? Evan, welcome to Come and Talk It, sir. Yeah, Mike, uh, thanks for thanks for having me. Um, it's always uh, great to be on your show here. Uh, so the bill, um, you know, the thing about it is, is that uh, I know that obviously Cornyn was looked at as a traitor, and the ten you know Republicans were looked at as traitors. And Cornyn was booed at the Republican convention. But the, the bill itself, once you delve down into it, um, it spends a lot of money, and it requests a lot of commissions and a lot of studies. And uh, you know, Cornyn, uh, you I've seen him do his press conferences. He's like, look, we are not affecting the ability of people to get firearms, and we're not affecting the firearms that can be received. And, you know, technically he's true. It really doesn't do that. And certainly if you compare it to that atrocity that came out of the House of Representatives, um, House Resolution 7910, that is the type of bill that we always need to stay vigilant of because that does do the things that we, you know, the Basically, the top three things that we need to always be aware of as gun owners, we need to be aware of the, you know, any kind of proposed quote unquote assault weapons ban. We need to be aware of any kind of quote unquote high capacity magazine ban. And we need to be aware of anything that impairs 
the right of people to make an entrust, a private intrastate transfer of firearms to one individual to another. Those are really the top three things that really I fret about uh, the Congress making rules about. Fortunately, uh, this this compromise bill does ab- goes nowhere near doing any of that, and I don't think it provides an avenue for you know the anti-gun folks to do it later on just by simply amending this. So what it does do is, like I said, it spends a whole bunch of money, it commissions a whole bunch of studies. Um, it it, uh, it it tells you know where states and local lo- local governments and school districts can get money and how they can spend it things like that. But what it does with regard to guns specifically is that it does not impose a ban on uh, 18, 19, 20 year olds having their ability to purchase a rifle. Uh, what it does do is it now says that certain juvenile records. Uh, can be reviewed, and it does kind of create a de facto waiting period uh, for these juveniles, and so juveniles won't be able to go rush in and, and buy a, you know, buy a rifle. There will be a, a three-day waiting period, and then that can be expanded up to uh, ten business days, which in reality is actually fourteen real days because business days don't include the weekends, and so. Uh, and if there's any kind of, of dis- already disqualifying characteristic that comes up in the search of the juvenile record, so it doesn't create a new disqualification with the juvenile record that says that if the juvenile records turn up something that is already disqualifying under uh, 18 U.S.C. 922, then, then they're disqualified. So that means that if they've been adjudicated as committing a felony, or they've been involuntarily committed to a mental facility, something like that. So it doesn't really create a new disqualification. It just simply expands the ability to ferret out whether or not a disqualification already exists. Now, this is where I see the possibility of them expanding that in the future. So I think it is highly likely that after a few years, they will say, look, isn't this fantastic? This works so well for 18, 19, 20-year-olds. We need to expand it to everybody that their juvenile records uh, are accessible. And I believe it's only juvenile records after they have become 16. I think that's the way that I read it. But uh, so that is a possibility for expansion to everyone. But like I said, it doesn't really create a new disqualification. It just kind of opens up a new category of records that can be looked at for an existing disqualification. So that's what it does with regard to the 21-year-olds, which is like as opposed to the bill that came out of the House, which wanted a hard prohibition, no 18, 19, 20-year-olds can buy a rifle, period. And so that is obviously in the nature of compromise. Uh, the next, the next so, thing that so it does I, – Before you go to the next one, I want to make sure I'm clear on this one. So – this means that if you're 18, 19, or 20 years old, there's a possibility you may get delayed up to 10 business days. That is correct. Okay. And then and, they, and, they, which, and, they, and they also get a chance to look into your criminal history. Well, your juvenile your juven, history. Juvenile. Okay, got it. Juvenile history. Yes. Okay. So to see if as a juvenile you were ever adjudicated for a crime that would have been considered a felony if an adult had done it. Uh, or if you had been committed to a mental health facility as a juvenile, and so what's interesting about that is that is that that this particular procedure requirement is supposed to 
is supposed to exist for the next 10 years, and within this 10-year period, uh, the government is supposed to begin integrating those records into the regular NICS background check. So after 10 years, it will go back to being just a regular NICS background check, uh, but it will include all of these juvenile records. So the delay period is only going to exist for 10 years, and then uh, the, the law assumes that after 10 years, the records will be fully integrated, and it become it goes back to being an instant background check. So there will be no waiting period. You know, you'll either get your deny or proceed uh, fairly immediately. Okay, and that's from the ages of 18 to 20. 19, 19, yeah, 18, 19, 20. However, like I said, with that caveat that. I absolutely can see the Democrats coming back and saying, this worked out fantastic. Let's just apply it to everyone. Mm, so it. I keep that I, I do believe that that is, that is one of the Trojan horses that okay. is built into the bill that will eventually impact everybody who does have one of these records. Okay. Um, like I said, if you're an adult now and you don't have one of these records, then you've got nothing to worry about. Nothing's going to – there's not – like I said, there's no new prohibition that's being created that you would have to worry about. Okay. So now in the realm of prohibited persons, they also – this bill also closes what everybody has been calling the boyfriend loophole, and believe me, I hate that term. Um, I hate the way that anytime whenever you talk about gun laws, uh, they throw in the word loophole mm -hmm. because just you know, as we know as a general principle – Every single gun law that exists has been a compromise on behalf of the gun owner. So if, we, if you want to just you know, get in your time machine and go back to 1933, you know, any adult could go into a hardware store and purchase a, Tom, a fully automatic Thompson you know, 1921A rifle and have no interference from the federal government whatsoever. So everything from that time period, every federal law from that time period forward has been a compromise to chip away at that ability that we had in 1933. So every single gun law is a federal gun law is a compromise, and as you know, we like to say around the office, yesterday's compromise becomes today's loophole. Mm. And so that's why I hate the word loophole, is that there was a reason that boyfriend that that dating violence boyfriend you know, not being able to, to, to access dating relations, you know, not considering assaults that occur while people are dating is not family violence. There's a reason that was not included way back whenever this the family violence provision was made, and that's because it's extremely difficult to define what that is. And so, you know, since then, the anti-gun folks have been saying, oh, my God, they allow domestic abusers to have guns. So this presumably addresses that. Okay. So what that says is that if an individual has been convicted of a misdemeanor crime of assault, so keep in mind, I want everybody to remember, if you're convicted of a felony, you're totally prohibited already. So it doesn't matter what crime it is. If it's a felony, you're a prohibited person. So this specifically only addresses misdemeanor crimes. So if you're convicted of a misdemeanor crime of violence, it could be an assault, maybe a terroristic threat. It's just, it's just defined as a crime of violence. You're convicted of a misdemeanor, and it turns out – that the complainant or the victim in that in that uh, crime meets the definition of you being in a dating relationship with them, then you're a prohibited person. You become a prohibited person. And this is and However, this is for life. No, 
Okay. That's the interesting All right. part. All right, hold that, hold that, that, hold that thought, Evan. I'm gonna let you finish that on the other side of the break. Here, we come back. We're talking about the new gun legislation that's going to go into effect. Everyone's going to tell us uh, when this is going to go into effect, and he's breaking it down for us right now. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talking. Hi, this is Stephen Wolford, the Barefoot Defender. I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talking. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, we're, t- we're talking with Edwin Walker with Texas U.S. Law Show, and he's telling us about the boyfriend loophole. Edwin, what in the world is all this all about? Well, that's, the, like I said, the boyfriend loophole existed because of the fact that they didn't want to include it in the original bill back in the 90s because it's so difficult to define. And you know, if you read the definition now, it really doesn't get any better. <laughs> Pardon me. Although it does say that, you know, social relationships and business relationships don't count. Uh, and there does have to be some sort of extended and frequent contact between the people who are involved in this relationship. Now, keep in mind, Texas has had this dating relationship family violence for well over a decade now. And, you know, it's still kind of a fact issue. So if you you have a case where uh, the, the police and the prosecutors are accusing you of assaulting your girlfriend or girlfriends accused of assaulting a boyfriend, that's a fact question. And so 
you know, they'll look, the court will have to look at things like how long have you seen each other, how, you know, what, to what extent is your physical relationship. Uh, there may be evidence from other people who are like, oh, yeah, there have been boyfriend and girlfriend for quite a while. So it is kind of amorphous. Obviously, determining whether or not somebody's married to another, that's, that's, that's black and white. It's yes or no. Whether somebody's somebody's kid, that's black or white. That's yes or no. The dating dating, uh, uh, relationship stuff can definitely be shades of gray. But what this bill does that um, that 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 this determination of the relationship does what the what the original law should have done is that it provides. Pardon me. It provides that this statute is not retroactive, which is fantastic, really, because that's where a lot of people that are that are denied because of this, uh, you know, because of this domestic violence prohibition, is that the courts um, and the and the FBI and the DPS, when issuing uh, licenses to carry, they're able to go back indefinitely. To find out, to investigate whether or not a misdemeanor, if somebody was convicted of a misdemeanor assault way back in 1985, was the victim of that. This was even before they defined crimes of family violence. If the victim of that assault happened to be a person's spouse or a person's child, uh, they're prohibited now. It, it really rang as, an, as a violation of due process, as an ex post okay. facto All law. Right. All right. So hold on a second here, Edwin. So you mean to tell me that? When this goes into effect, that if you did something 10 years ago, 20, 15 years ago, that can prohibit you once this goes into effect? No. That's the way the law exists now with regard to the family violence prohibition. And that's one of the big problems is that people who were convicted of an assault, a misdemeanor assault 20, 30 years ago can find themselves being a prohibited person. And they have lived, lived an absolute clean lifestyle for the last 25 years, but they find themselves in the category of the prohibited person. This boy, this closing of the boyfriend loophole specifically states that this prohibition cannot be applied retroactively, mm. and and that is that that's fantastic. I wish they would have done it. You know, I wish this had been part of the original law. Unfortunately, they didn't expand it to people who are already prohibited. But this boyfriend loophole, and like I said, I really hate using that word, uh, is is going to be closed uh, from here going forward. It so, will not be able to apply retroactively. So, so this is this is really re- not as bad as as we think it is. This this entire bill, correct. And like I said, if they would <laughs> if they would have just written it a little differently to say, look, we're going to apply this no retroactivity to. To, to the application of the entirety of the domestic violence prohibition, there'd be a lot of prohibited people that would have been leaping for joy because they would have now been eligible to purchase and possess firearms. Mm. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Another provision that should have been in the original law um, but is now only applicable to the closing of this boyfriend loophole is that this prohibition only lasts for five years. Mm. So unlike the law as it exists now, where you not only can be a prohibited person based upon a crime that you committed 25 years ago, but you're prohibited for life from ever purchasing and possessing a firearm, 
here, if your if your prohibition is a, as a result of this closing of the boyfriend loophole, if you do not get in trouble again for another domestic violence uh, conviction, then you're prohibited for five years. But then after five years, you regain your ability to purchase and possess firearms. Hmm. Okay. So that I mean, as far as because you know this is one of those points that that the the, the anti-gun folks just you know they get up and they clamor about it and they try to demonize you know us people who are in favor of self-defense in favor of the Second Amendment saying you allow domestic violence people to have guns and if this can shut them up then that's a win in my book because the damage that it can inflict on an individual is very minimal and now people should be on notice that if they do wind up in a state criminal court accused of a misdemeanor crime of domestic violence that allegedly involves somebody that they were quote unquote in a dating relationship with, mm-hmm. they better get an attorney and they better fight it. Mm. Okay. All right. And then so, and anything mm-hmm. else in that bill? And uh, well, and also when does it go into effect? Yes. So, sorry. <clears throat> So the the provisions of it, I mean, especially the spending and everything, it, it doesn't have a delay like Texas law does. You know, Texas law always specifies at the end of the bill, um, you know, this will go into effect September 1st. This will go into effect January 1st. Federal law, whenever federal, whenever U.S. Congress you know, passes a bill and the president signs it, it's immediately effective. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, so the ATF is probably going to be sending out these new – you know, they they probably already have their regulations promulgated. Uh, so with we're to so this, this this means we're going to have to have a new forty four seventy three a firearms transaction record. Yes, there will have to be some modifications to it. Wow. Now it's interesting that you bring that up because that <laughs> those are the other two provisions uh, that affect the transactions of firearms. Mm. Is that they have now strengthened the punishment and they they've kind of narrowed the definition, which is actually a good thing of what is a straw man purchase and what is considered to be gun trafficking. And so those are two two things that, you know, obviously if you don't make straw man purchases, then you don't have to worry about it. If you're not involved in gun trafficking, you don't have to worry about it. Uh, but they have really strengthened the, the penalties if you are accused and convicted of either one of those crimes. Uh, but like I said, okay, hold on. So which clarity? So which are what, Edwin? Because a straw purchase means that you go into a gun store and you're trying to buy a gun for someone else, knowing that that person can't take possession of it. That's a straw purchase. What's the what was the old punishment? What's the new punishment? Well, it, what's interesting is that the Supreme Court held that the per, the, the the ATF or the Department of Justice they don't have to show that the person you were buying the gun for was a prohibited person. Mm. So it's just that you went into a gun store and you bought a gun for the purpose of giving it to another person. I want to mm. clarify that because mm. people are immediately going to think, oh, my God, I can't give a gun as a gift. No, you can. Mm-hmm. What the, the, the Supreme Court says, you cannot take somebody else's money. Uh, basically what I analogize it to is you know, you buying beer for a – you know, teenager outside right. of a Seven Eleven. Correct. 
So, you know, you walk up to a 7-Eleven and there's a group of teenagers there and they're like, hey, mister, here's 20 bucks. Would you go buy a six-pack of beer? That's a straw purchase, mm, okay? Right. But if you're like, I'm going to go buy beer and I'm going to split it with my 20-year-old nephew out sitting out by the pool, that's not a straw purchase. Correct. And so the same thing with guns. So if you take somebody's money and you buy them a gun mm-hmm. – um, and you're the one who fills out the 4473, and you're the one who states on there that you're making the purchase for yourself, and you lie about that. You mm-hmm. go, yes, I'm purchasing it for myself. Right. That's still a crime. That's still a straw purchase. But there are now enhanced penalties uh, if the ATF finds out that you were specifically buying it to give to a prohibited person, uh, knowingly doing that. Uh, or you were doing it to sell to somebody that you believe, you know, that you know is going to commit a crime, and it really, really focuses in on um, uh, uh, drug trafficking, terrorism. This is and, this uh, is really, really, really. This is really big, and people don't understand how big that really is. That happens a lot in the gun stores. Well, and that's the thing about it is, is that I think. We can – I mean we would all agree that we don't want people giving guns to terrorists and drug cartels. Correct. I mean I, I, I would think that's a sensible position. Correct. Um, and, and this law it is kind of funny uh, because just in case you were wondering, just in case anybody was unsure, this law now specifically says that it is prohibited to provide firearms and ammunition to an agent of a drug cartel. Mm. So that is now a specific dictated prohibition. And you don't even um, have to which, know they're they're members of a drug cartel. And you know the thing about it is is that uh, this may have been like kind of the Republicans sticking that in there uh to give the, you know, to thumb their nose at the old Fast and Furious scandal that happened under Obama. Mm. It was like, look, the ATS specifically gave <laughs> drug cartels. Mm. So, uh, so that so that exists, and it also now says that if you are, you know, if you're accused of giving guns and ammo to drug cartels, right. um, drug traffickers, uh, t- you know, potential terrorists, uh, that this now is also can be punished as uh, under the money laundering laws. And under the uh, the organized crime set, the RICO statutes. Ooh. So, so they've really expanded the ways that this particular type of offense can be prosecuted, and enhance the punishments for it. So we've got the straw man purchase, we've got the trafficking, and the last thing that it does is it, um, <clears throat> pardon me, is that it expands, and this kind of dovetails with the straw man purchase and with the drug traffic, uh, with the uh, uh, gun trafficking is that uh, previously unlicensed dealers, in order to prove that somebody was an unlicensed dealer, uh, the Department of Justice would have to show that they were motivated in dealing guns by – they were motivated by either doing business or seeking to make a profit. Mm. And so that was – they felt that that was a little too amorphous. Unfortunately, they defined it. And it's still kind of the same amorphousness. Uh, they just said if you make a profit, so if you sell a gun um, with the primary purpose to make a profit, uh, then they can prosecute you as a gun dealer. It doesn't matter how many guns there are. Now, obviously, the scary story would be you know, if you know a gun is going to be particularly valuable in the future and you buy it sort of quote-unquote as an investment, 
And, you know, sure enough, let's say it's some limited edition model mm-hmm. that, you know, that, that, that uh, uh, you know, Colt is going to cut, and which people do that all the time. I mean, I've got right. several Colt commemorative firearms. Right. I bought them with the hope that they will go up in value. So if I, you know, one of the more recent, you know, one of the ones I've had is, is, a, is a Colt firearm, you know, commemorating the Battleship Texas. So, and I know that there were only, what, 1,500 made. So right. if I bought one of these Battleship Texas 1911s, there's only 1,500 made. Uh, somehow they become extraordinarily popular in the collectible right. market. Right. And I sell it. Am I now a gun dealer? Because I knew that it was going to go up in value, or at least I hoped that it would go up in the value, and then I would sell it. Right. So that's a, that's, that is a little scary. Okay. Um, but – uh, what is interesting is the, the Department of Justice no longer has to prove profit motive if it turns out that the guns that you have sold in the past turn up at crime scenes. Mm. So if your guns, if you and, – and I'm assuming that they're going to, as a practical matter, as a factual issue, there will have to be some sort of uh, you know, time period limit. Right. So let's say that a year ago you sold five guns. Right. Because you're like, I don't want these more FI guns. And three of those guns show up at different crime scenes. And we're going to we're liquor- go to break, Edward, so go ahead. Okay. One's at a liquor store robbery. One's in a carjacking. Mm-hmm. Those that if they're able to say, wow, your guns that you sold have shown up at crime scenes, we think we can make a – we can show you're an illegal gun trafficker because you specifically sold these to people you should have known. Or we're going we're gonna to try to build a circumstantial case to show you knew they're going to commit a crime – they do not have to prove the profit motive element. All right. We come back from the break. We're going to talk about the Texas GOP, long-term Republicans of Texas. We're going to talk about this homosexuality plank. Uh, we're also going to talk again with Evan Walker about New York State and what that, what uh, SCOTUS said about New York. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace. This is Maj Toure. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill. Everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back and we have inside the studio Jason Vaughn, who is a delegate at the Texas GOP, because the Texas GOP says homosexuality is an abnormal lifestyle choice. Now you're asking yourself, you know, why would I bring this up on the gun show? To talk about this well because i'm just curious who's going to walk into someone's house into someone's bedroom what government agency is going to enforce who can sleep with who because i tell you what i got 45 reasons why you're not walking to my house i got 5.56 reasons i got 223 reasons i got 308 reasons why you're not going to walk into my house and tell me 
what I can do inside my house. So I'm just curious, what government agency is brave enough to do this? So let me welcome to the mic here, Jason Vaughn, to tell us what in the world is all about this plank from the Texas GOP. Well, I think one of the first things that we need to think about here is that this is not a policy. It has no, this is not telling the government to do anything. It does nothing for the party. It does nothing to say that the government should go and do this. The the only thing policy related to uh, homosexuality specifically is that the party is still anti-gay marriage, which is fine. It's been seven years and there's never been a bill filed except for one in Mississippi that said to, um, that wanted to take government out of marriage completely and just make it civil unions. And that bill didn't even get a, a hearing. And so it's not like this is actually go, any of this stuff is going anywhere. This was something added in at the very last minute of the permanent committee. So the way the committee works is you have, uh, we have several different conventions. You have your precinct conventions, your Senate or County conventions. And then uh, I was on the platform committee. That's made up of one of 31 people, one person representing each Senate district. And then we had our subcommittees where you break out into smaller groups to go through each section. Then you have your temporary committee, which is where we all meet as a whole. And then you have your permanent committee. It was not represented in this language was not brought up in the subcommittee. It was not brought up in the temporary committee. It was brought up right after in the last 40 minutes of the meeting, right after the chairman said uh, that we were about to run out of time. He said, well, hey, guys, we don't really have a lot of time to discuss anything. Oh, yeah, and I would like to make an amendment to the homosexuality plank, the language that we have, uh, that many people on both sides of this have, have fought over to try to make it more policy-oriented, to be clear about where Republicans stand without personally getting offensive. And the fact that this actually came from the chairman of the committee made it all worse. He gave us no warning. It's very One of the things we've tried to do on that committee is be very respectful to each other, even when we deeply disagree because you're working very closely together for four days. So if you know you're going to have a disagreement with somebody, you go to that person and you say, hey, I just want to give you a heads up that this is going to happen. The mm-hmm. chairman knew this was, I was the only openly gay person on that committee. So uh, he came, he, he could have come to me and said, hey, I want to talk to you about this. I want to try to work out language, whatever it could have been. But he did none of that. He, it, it was, the whole process was extraordinarily disrespectful to the entire body. Mm. And, 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 you know, it's strange to me that uh, we didn't bring up, we didn't discuss the grid. You know, let's talk about, you know, strengthening our, our power grid. Those are some of the things we should have focused on when it comes to, like, policy or getting the, uh, the state of Texas to actually, you know, getting our elected officials to concentrate on. Because we had a snowpocalypse and had some serious issues. <laughs> so, you know, that that I think that energy should have been focused more on that stuff, you know, well, more that direction. I do believe the grid's actually in there. Uh it is but 200 not and it's 275 planks total. Mm-hmm. So, the problem with this with this language is that it's a distraction. It's a distraction that does not win Republicans a single vote. It if you're already extremely anti-gay, you probably already know that the Republican Party is going to be your home if you're like we have plenty of stuff that's in there policy related to that it didn't get us any votes all it's been for well over a week now is a campaign and a fundraising resource for democrats Mm. uh the chairman came up to me later on and said i just want you to know this was nothing personal this was i wanted us to be clear and as i told him this was not this did nothing to do for clarity it has been nothing but a distraction for the entire 
for the entire party. D- uh, uh, Beto O'Rourke is loving this plank right now. And I'm, I'm sure it's going to, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens if it, you know, the Republican Party actually loses seats. Um, you know, because if that happens, then they've definitely better change gears in two years. No, look, I think that's, I, I got to be honest, and I think we have to say that the Republican Party's, look, after this week, after another two weeks, nobody's going to care. Mm-hmm. Um, the they're going to care about inflation. They're going to care about all this. This does nothing on those fronts, but it did give a, it does, it's not going to change policy. It's not going to change a lot of voters either way, but it is going to change the fundraising. It's not going to change voters, but it's going to keep, some people will put, will sit on their hands instead of actually going to vote for yeah. certain candidates. And yeah. That's because it's not so just, it's not just gay people. It's all people that have gay, uh, gay family members, people in their lives that are hearing about this, that those are the people it really does affect. And they'll be like, well, what's the point of this? But again, the the party is not, is not very effective in any of this going forward policy wise. Right. And then there's a lot of resignations that actually took place this week. Um, I was the actual chair for Law Care Republicans of Texas. I resigned, and man, it was it was crazy because you know, some media outlets took that to mean that I was upset because of this particular plank. There's so many planks, you know, that the GOP actually has. This is just one particular plank. This had nothing to do with me resigning for from law care Republicans of Texas as the chair. The reason I resigned from LCR Texas was because of the influence that uh, some members that came from California have moved here to Texas and members in D.C. are trying to influence Texas and tell Texans what we can and can't do. And, you know, this is Texas, the Lone Star State. We're not we're not going to allow someone to come in from another state, definitely not Washington, D.C., and definitely not some of these GAYs uh, from from California to tell us what we can do here in Texas. I wanted to say something else, but I'm on live radio, so I can't. <laughs> Started with the F. But I, I, I'll, get you for that. I'll digress. No, and I think you're, you're seeing a lot of changes in different organizations, but I think the good thing is you're also seeing a lot of different things pop up, like uh, Marco Roberts, the former who had the uh, presidency of Texas LCR before yourself. Correct. uh has now formed Texas Conservative Liberty Forum, right. uh, something I'm on the board of as well. We're, we're going to be a very policy wonk-oriented uh, place, uh, and I think there's a lot of uh, good things coming. I'm personally about to launch my own uh, organization called The First 90, which is focused on recidivism, helping, and I'll be working with our police officers, parole officers, uh, criminal justice reformers, helping uh, uh, nonviolent, non-sexual criminals uh, really find a place back in the world and be restored after their time in prison. And I tell you what, um, there are a lot. You're right. There are a lot of great organizations that have actually popped up since the convention, or just before the convention actually started, that are doing great things. Um, and I guarantee you. Unfortunately, you know, I think uh, LCR Texas is going to be disbanded. I think that board is going to go away completely because you know, once you lose, you know, some of your backbone. You're not going to be able to stand up anymore. And it's, it's going to collapse. The walls are going to fall down. And you're going to see this within days, if not weeks. Well, you know, the good thing that I would remind people is while that Texas may, the LCR Texas may be going away, if you are a, a friend, if you're an ally or you happen to be uh, a gay, that uh, Austin still has a very strong um, law cabin that you're staying the president of. That's right. Still and, the president of law cabin Republicans of Austin. And then San Antonio, uh, Mimi is just, she's just amazing. San Antonio to, rocks. Uh, she's fantastic. So I, I have to give her a lot of props. All right, we come back from the break. I do want to talk about New York. I do want to get back to talking about um, the 
bump stock band. We're going to talk about that again. Uh, so we got a lock. Hang in there. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Jack Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. So listen, the, the platform also included a section calling homosexuality an abnormal lifestyle choice. You are an yes. out gay committee member. You voted against it, um, including yes. that, right? And called it disrespectful. So why did the Texas GOP approve this plank for the platform? I think there, were, there got to be a lot of confusion on the floor. If you look at the way the body voted versus the way the committee voted, it was, the committee was very close. It was 17 to 14. If we'd have flipped two votes, that would not have gone in there. And there's... Look, I understand my party does not believe in gay marriage. That's a policy issue we can debate. The problem with this language was it was insulting and it is distracted from so many other planks that I do care about. If you listen to the debate on the floor of, of the convention, you'll see that right after this was passed, this abnormal gay guy got up to the mic and actually was able to suspend the rules and put in extremely important information on uh, a plank on protecting fragile children, making sure they have home care, community-based care. And that's something that Republic Republicans should be uh, talking about, uniting under. There are 275 planks, and the only ones, we're, we're talking about four of them that are complete and utter distractions that, uh, that make, for most of them, I disagree. All right, that's Jason Vaughn. And I tell you, he went on CNN uh, up against Don Lemon there and did an outstanding job uh, defending the Texas GOP and, and, and just his stance on uh, his thoughts on how, you know, things played out in the convention. So I just want to tell you, Jason, you know, outstanding job. Really want to congratulate you. You did a great job because there are a lot of people out there, like the person that was on the committee that actually wrote the plank to talk about homosexuality is abnormal, was a coward and refused to go, you know, to talk to the media to defend why he actually suggested or wrote this plank. Yeah, well, I think that's it's very important. We start and getting Republican voices out there. And Republicans that are, uh, you know, don't, if you, it's your first time ever doing an interview, I highly would not recommend going on national television. But we need more bold people that can stand their ground. Because, look, uh, Don pushed back pretty hard trying to get me to uh, say some things that, that he wanted me to say. But I know where I stand. I've never been ashamed of where I stand. And I'm not ashamed of being a Republican, so I was able to do all of those things, and, and I was able to get a nuanced point of view out to say, yes, I highly disagree with this, but here's why I'm a Republican. And I, I was very happy to talk about, especially being from Harris County, talk about the bail issue we have there where all these judges are consistently uh, letting people out with, with low or no bail on violent crimes, and then they're just going out uh, killing again. Mm. Yeah, that, that's, I tell you, we definitely do something with our district attorneys. That's a huge problem, but, you know, we're not focusing on that. We're talking about what's happening in people's bedrooms instead of what's happening with crime, the grid. Those are the things that we need to push and really focus on a lot. Inflation. Uh, asset, uh, <laughs> asset forfeiture, you know, those things like that, you know, which is a really big problem. What are you going to say, Gary? Oh, no, I was just um, in agreement. Okay, yeah. So, you know, I think those are the things we definitely should focus on. Um, man, I tell you what, thank you, Jason. 
Happy to be here. I appreciate it. And I'm always happy to defend uh, defend what I believe. Absolutely. Appreciate that. And you did an outstanding job this week. So don't let anyone think that what you did was wrong. It was outstanding. You defended yourself because there are a lot of cowards out there that do things behind closed doors and they're afraid to come forward and defend themselves. The person that wrote this plank to talk about homosexuality uh, is abnormal, is a coward because he couldn't, def- he wouldn't come on any news agency at all and defend himself because he's a coward. Just so you know. All right. So now let's I want to change gears and talk about New York State. So the Supreme Court came down with a ruling with New York State. And so now they are a what? They are shall issue. Not a what? Not a not a may issue. Not a may issue. And then someone asked, you know, the Supreme Court decision makes it so states cannot do their permit as may issue, but instead they have to do the shall issue. And they want to know. Uh, Edwin Walker, uh, does the new Supreme Court decision affect these new gun laws that we're talking about? Um, well, that's going to be kind of interesting. So let's talk about what the the New York uh, decision, the New York Rifle uh, State Rifle and Pistol Association case actually does, is that it, on a practical level, it does say that uh, New York's discretionary may issue scheme where people had to show a pro- a proper purpose in order to get a license, that that is an unconstitutional violation for people who would otherwise be qualified. So as a practical matter, it just says that that singular program in New York was unconstitutional <clears throat> as it as it worked. Now, this was this was a great decision because – for a decade, a little, actually a little over a decade, we have been clamoring for the Supreme Court to make a new Second Amendment decision. They've been, they had been avoiding it, pushing it off, finding ways to not rule on the subject. And in the meantime, lower courts had found that California's May issue was permissible. New York's May issue was permissible. New Jersey's May issue was permissible. I believe Connecticut's May issue was permissible. And so it was about time that the Supreme Court made this decision. So its immediate purpose says New York's May issue scheme unconstitutional. This then puts notice, you know, gives notice to those other states that their May issue schemes are probably also very likely unconstitutional. So they'll have to revise those. But what it does is, is that um, Heller you know, the Heller and McDonald decisions, they basically said that you have a fundamental right to possess a firearm for self-defense inside of your own home. <clears throat> Pardon me. And that was the part that the anti-gun folks focused in on, is that they said, well, Heller only said you can have a gun in your own home, so therefore we can regulate whenever you go out in public with it, and and because that's the way the constitutional rulings work. The, the Supreme Court is not a super legislator. They can't dictate what you know where you know, what the law should be. All they can do is address particular laws that are in front of them and decide whether or not they are unconstitutional and what sort of fundamental right that they implicate. Well, Heller McDonald implicated the right to have a gun you know possessed inside your house, so that's all they were allowed to rule on. This now implicates a gun being carried outside the house. So now there's now a new recognized Second Amendment right that, the, that, that's been officially recognized by the court, and that is the right of a person to carry a firearm outside of their house 
for self-defense purposes. And so now any law that exists in the you know, federal, state, or local governments that affect that or impair that will now be subject to being scrutinized by the courts. Mm. And also, Hillary McDonald did not officially set forth a standard uh, because whenever you're looking at constitutional rights, a constitutional rights or, or, or the way that a law works, it can be judged under one of three standards. Uh, the rational basis, uh, did the you know, legislative body have a rational basis for p- making this law? Uh, those do not affect constitutional rights, so those are always generally upheld. The, on the opposite end of the spectrum is strict scrutiny. If the courts determine that a piece of legislation affects a fundamental constitutional right, then the courts will look at that to say, you know, does it affect a right? If it does, it cannot be upheld. Uh, so those almost always fail. And then there was this intermediate scrutiny where it might go one way or another. Actually, this case kind of creates a new type of scrutiny specific to Second Amendment issues. It recognizes that the Second Amendment is a core constitutional right. It is not a secondary right. It's not a second-class right. It deserves to be uh, it, it deserves to be looked at with you know, the same veneration that we view our First Amendment rights, and that any regulation is going to be viewed as uh, through this prism as if you know has has this been a historical area that has been subject to regulation. And I think as a practical matter, very few uh, regulations will be able to withstand that scrutiny. All right. Listen to New York City Council as they whine about uh, what you know they're going to do as a result of this Supreme Court ruling. In light of today's ruling by the United States Supreme Court in this case, we cannot idly stand by and just watch our streets be flooded with guns due to more people being permitted to legally carry firearms in public. We must take significant action to protect our city's residents. When New Yorkers are being victimized by gun violence due to the soaring influx of, of legal and illegal guns, putting them even more, uh, even more firearms into the hands of people in public spaces, that will have dangerous consequences. Our proposed solution encourages the state to tailor a law that accounts for New York City's high population density as a factor in establishing specific parameters for the designation of sensitive areas where legal firearms are prohibited from being carried by members of the public. The ability to designate sensitive areas where citizens are prohibited from carrying concealed firearms is a framework that is still respected by the highest court and one to be utilized to prioritize public safety. Prohibiting the possession of legal firearms in sensitive facilities such as hospitals and poll sites is not only good for public safety, it's just plain common sense. What a concept. People should be able to defend themselves from being assaulted, being uh, having things like uh, Man, murder, what a concept, robbery, aggravated robbery, theft, doing the nighttime, criminal mischief at night. You should be able to defend yourself. You should be able to defend yourself inside your home, uh, outside your home, in your vehicles. You're driving down the road. And these people, this city council is whining because people don't want to be victims. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to the Come and Talk It. This is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It.
Justin's Talk, 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we got a couple questions for you there, Edwin. So we try to we'll see if we can cover all this stuff in like seven minutes or so. All right, so the first question, Edwin, is gangbangers have been illegally carrying for generations now. So what is new? Good guys can now carry? Okay, he dropped. Okay. No okay, I've, I've got a quick question for Zach. Yes, sir. Because I think he could ex- explain it in layman's terms. I'm a um, lame man. Can you explain what the difference between a may carry state and a shall carry state is? So uh, states have permits, right? Uh, Like Texas has the LTC, the license to carry. And Texas is a shall issue state for their permits, which means that if you apply for a permit and you don't have a felony on your record or, uh, you know, anything that would bar you from getting a license, then you get a license. In a May issue state like New York, California, uh, some others, Hawaii, they basically say, you know what, you need to tell us, the government, why you need a gun, and you need a really good reason. So what is some criteria that determines whether or not you may get a permit oh like if you're famous or if you're rich or a politician or politician yeah Uh they will all get a permit so to me this what this sounds like is that the may carry states are engaging in a form of elitism uh yeah okay i think you're right about that and that that is not fair and it's also not abiding by the second amendment yeah so you can go into those may issue states and uh you say oh i'm rich and famous i need a gun to protect myself because i'm so rich i'm so famous that people you know they're gonna come after me because i'm special essentially states that engage in may carry permit laws are disenfranchising poor people exactly yeah and also, gun makers are fleeing the Northeast, complaining about the region's tough, tough gun laws. So they're moving out of the Northeast in droves. Uh, you have, uh, you know, the signature weapons that powered America's wars from the muskets of 1812 to the M1 Grand of World War II to the M16 in Vietnam were made by millions uh, in the Northeast. And now all those companies are leaving the Northeast, taking their tax dollars, and moving to the central part of the United States, the southern part of the United States, uh, where they're moving those tax dollars away from the Northeast. And that is really big. You know, places like, you know, especially like California, a lot of people are moving out of those states like like that, and they're losing those tax dollars. Yeah, California has a huge state income tax, too. Yeah, they're losing their congressional seats as well. And those, you know, we've gained seats here in Texas because we have more people moving here to Texas. Mm-hmm. That can be good, that can be bad. Um, what else you got, Gary? Uh, Thomas Harrison asked in the chat, how is it possible that red flag laws pass constitutional muster? Mm, that's going to be a question for Edwin. We have to get him back on one day. To, yeah, we have to get him back oh, he's on. He's not on the line anymore? Yeah, we'll get him back on another time to talk <clears> about that. I think so. the short answer is that they kind of don't. Well, what Edwin said during our panel um, when we did the show at the shop, he basically said uh, when... When um, when there's a search warrant, you know, the police bring the cause to the judge, right, behind closed doors, 
and the judge signs this search warrant and the person is not present for that, you know? And so not everything has to have due process is how he explained it. Like you're not there for the search warrant. Is that constitutional? Um, you shouldn't that's, ask me yeah, about right, that. Right, right. No, that's that, that's the where when you pull that thread, that's where my mind goes. Uh-huh. Uh, the only other thing I was going to ask about is uh, if we want to talk more about the bump stock lawsuit. I mean, are we going to the Supreme Court, baby? Oh, we're going. We're going, baby. I love it. You're definitely going. But check this out. You you hear this story in Houston, Texas, where this man goes into a gun store in in Texas in Houston, and tries to rob the gun store at knife point. And gets shot. Well, you know what they say, Michael. Huge surprise. Don't bring a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> Don't bring a Man, knife to a gun, gun store. stores. <laughs> employees at gun stores literally are waiting for you to do something like that. <laughs> literally. It's like, oh, wait, hold on, guys. There's someone at the front that's robbing us right now. <laughs> yeah, I know some gun store employees that are just strapped to the nines. You're right. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. Extra mags. I know who you're talking about. I know a guy that works at a gun store that has literally four of the exact same pistol on him at all times, including five extra magazines and five knives. Literally. Is it who I'm thinking of? <laughs> Just <laughs> waiting. I think so. Wait, wait, wait. You're so- He's employee of the month every month. <laughs> They're just they're sitting back and say, hey, hey, well, hold on. Wait, so you're telling me that you're coming to the gun store to rob us right now? <laughs> well, I tell you, I just, I just don't get it. And then, uh, Gary, you know, what's all the talk about, you know, Roe versus Wade? Want to talk about What's that? up with Roe versus Wade? What's up with Roe versus Wade? I don't know who Roe is. I don't know who Wade is, oh, but okay. I guess it made a lot of people angry. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever they did. You want to talk about it? I don't have much of an opinion on it. I'm more of a leave me alone kind of person. Yeah. So basic, what, basically what happened in order what, to what explain happened? this to you, Michael, basically Please. the Supreme Court says that the federal government does not have a say over these women's bodies. Right. And that's mm-hmm. that it should be left up to the state. Correct. Okay. Kind of makes sense. Wait, wait. That kind of makes sense. So that's really just um, make that that's just uh, what's that called? Uh the, the the idea of federalism. So really striking that down is uh, supporting the idea, the political idea of federalism. Because all, all I heard come out of this was, man, you're telling me, you know, as I'm sitting in the bar trying to enjoy my Long Island iced tea, you're telling me that guns have more rights than women's bodies is all I'm I've been Yeah, I've heard that too. Days. That's a sort of a misinterpretation of it. No, it's but. not. So I guess no, if you, if you well, have a guns felony, don't have any rights at all. Uh, actually, you could you could sort of argue gun owners have more rights, but that still doesn't really apply. You uh, have to it, pass a background check to get a woman's body. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know how women are these days. They Google you. They they look my. They, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> um, I I have no problem with it personally. I don't care if women they can do whatever they want. Oh, okay. That's the story, and he's sticking to it. We'll what? see. We'll see in about an hour or two. <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? You'll change your mind. I'm pretty honest on uh, on air. Okay. All right. All right. I'm not hiding anything. Are you hiding something? No. Well, you don't really care because you don't. You're not into. <laughs> you're not into women. Don't care at all. <laughs> don't care at all. What about you, Zach? <laughs> I mean, it's up to them. You know. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> all right. Let's, what's this gun insurance going on? What is all that about? California has uh, passed a 
they're trying to pass it, but did it pass? Tell me more. Well, they're trying to pass a bill uh, regarding gun insurance. They're trying mm-hmm. to require all gun owners to have insurance, same way that every motorist has to have car insurance. Okay, it, hasn't it was pa- just ha- introduced. Yeah, it hasn't passed yet. Right, okay, yeah. I just saw that and threw it in the, the, doc, the show doc. But uh, that's that would be setting a precedent, would it not? Yeah, and and they, they lie about the, the numbers, too, because uh, there's a— a state senator in the, in California that says guns kill more people than cars, and that's actually well, that's not even close to being true. <laughs> right. It's not true at all. They're just outright liars. Uh, she said the cost of gun violence shouldn't be borne by taxpayers, survivors, families, employers, and communities. Uh, she says it's time for gun owners to shoulder their fair share. Um, so they're you know trying to require some type of insurance by gun owners if they're going to carry a firearm. So look back to the red flag law thing. Thomas Harrison said something interesting in the. Uh, in the chat here mm-hmm. he said that red flag laws basically mean that the crime has not yet been committed so now we live in a world of minority report mm. like uh what, what what did they call it in that movie crime detection or, or pre-crime pre-crime yeah mm. <laughs> and um i think that's a good point because there's a difference between getting a search warrant and not going through due process per se and just arresting someone based on hearsay yeah totally different so i don't think that's uh what we were saying earlier about that is because karen totally can just analogy. call the local law enforcement right. officer and say there's a Ooh, if, i saw a facebook post if you that... want to walk through of it the firearms policy coalition has a pretty good sort of cartoon graphic on their instagram and it sh- it shows this guy randy who has a gun and he go and he posts something with his son at the gun range and then a karen sees his instagram posts and considers him dangerous and then she calls the state police or whoever it is, and then they go arre- you know, arrest him in the middle of the night with no warrant or whatever, and you get another one of those situations like that nurse that was killed in that, in that no-knock warrant. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the, it's Breonna the same, Taylor. Breonna Taylor. Right. Right. It's the same principle, yeah? Right. Would you agree with that, Michael? Hey, you know, you, you know I, I tell what? I, I tell these people, you know, hey, look, look at Florida. You know, you have the Florida woman who shot and killed this man after he broke into her bedroom while she was asleep and, and attacked her on Tuesday morning. Uh, she could have waited for police to, you know, to get there to save her. Instead, she took her own personal protection in her own hands. So that's, you know, that's kind of what we're talking about. You know, you need to be able to, people need to be able to defend themselves. Right. Um, and and, and that, that's just it. Uh, but last thing about the, the bump stock ban. So, yeah, we're going to go to Supreme Court. We're going to Supreme Court. So we're going to, you know, go be, be, uh, before the Fifth Circuit. And Fifth Circuit is going to side with us. And then it's going to be up to the Supreme Court to decide what they, they want to do. Yep, it's gonna be Michael Cargill versus the United States of America. So we'll see what happens. We're going to the Supreme Court. We're gonna, and this case is big because what happens with this will affect uh, triggers. It will affect everything else of what the ATF is trying to say. As always, more guns equals less crime. You go out there, you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening. Come and talk it with Michael Cargill. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.